Often when I say the word Ayurveda, people think about food or they think about Indian herbs. That can be part of Ayurveda, but Ayurveda is really a way of looking at life from an energetic perspective. Welcome back to Everyday Endorphins. This week we're talking all about Ayurveda. I was first introduced to the practice in high school right as my interest in yoga was growing. I didn't know much about it except for an Ayurvedic restaurant I had been to once, which didn't really clarify anything to me about what Ayurveda was, and maybe flipping through a coffee table book on Ayurveda that I had found at a bookstore. So when I found out that one of the lectures offered during my yoga teacher training was all about Ayurveda and demystifying the practice, I was really excited. This week, I'm giving you a little glimpse into what that lecture looked like with Marike Kuenhoven. As an Ayurvedic practitioner, Marike works with clients to help them adopt Ayurvedic practices into their own life. In this episode, she breaks down the essence of Ayurveda, ways to understand your own energetic qualities, and how we can use the practice of Ayurveda and an understanding of your own energetic qualities to empower ourselves into making healthy choices. Before we get into the interview, I have a brief message from my sponsor, Anchor. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, Marika. Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm really excited about our conversation. Today, we're here to talk about Ayurveda and how to integrate Ayurvedic principles into your life. A few weeks ago, when you taught the course with the Peaceful Warriors yoga teacher training about Ayurveda and Ayurveda in the yoga practice, I was really blown away by the entire philosophy of Ayurveda. So I'd love for you to start off by explaining the fundamentals of what Ayurveda means and what the most basic philosophy is of the practice. Hmm. I'm glad you really enjoyed the, the lecture I gave in the, in the training. Learning about Ayurveda really changed my life. So I'm super passionate to share this wisdom with other people. So Ayurveda, it's basically the healing system that comes from India. And it's the sister science of yoga. So the word Ayur, it means life. And Veda, it means to see or to know. So Ayurveda is the science of life. So basically a way to understand everything that you see around you, including yourself. Often when I say the word Ayurveda, people think about food or they think about Indian herbs. And that can be part of Ayurveda, but Ayurveda is really a way of looking at life from an energetic perspective. Of course, everything in this world is made up of energy. And Ayurveda is a system that talks about how this energy moves. We talk about something that's called the doshas, which is your own energetic blueprint. And if you understand what you are made of, you will be able to respond and make better choices in your life in regards to everything. My only exposure initially to Ayurveda was going to some Ayurvedic restaurant on the Upper West Side in New York City. There was different types of food and it was supposed to cater to different elements in your bodies, things that were more hot, more cool. And that was my understanding, just purely on food. 
but I love having this deeper understanding around the energetic side of Ayurveda and understanding your constitution. Can you talk a little bit more about the doshas and and our constitution and how our own physical makeup and energetic makeup can influence the environment around us? Yeah, of course. So basically the foundation of Ayurveda, we work with the five elements. So Ayurveda says everything that you see in this material world is made up out of those five elements. So those elements are earth, water, fire, air and ether or space. And those elements all have their own different qualities. So fire, for example, it's hot, it's sharp, it's penetrating, it transforms things. Water has very different qualities. So water will always move down. Water uh, is cool, water absorbs. We as human beings, we all have those elements inside of us. And and when I say those elements, I don't mean uh, the material like manifested uh, elements. I just mean the energy behind it. Ayurveda says there are mainly three different energetic types. We call those the doshas and their names are vata, pitta and kapha. So people that are have more of a vata constitution, that is people that have more of a dominant air and ether qualities. So if you think of air and ether, it is light, it is mobile, it doesn't have much heat, it is spacious, it is dry. So those qualities will translate into this person's physical manifestation and also in the way their mind works. So those are people that are often quite creative. Um, their build, build is more slim, more narrow. They're more spacious in their joints. They're open-minded. Are you speaking from your own experience <laughs> of being a Vata? Very much. <laughs> Very much. So for me, Vata is definitely my main uh, constitution, my primary dosha. But I also have a bit of Pitta. And Pitta is um, fire, mainly fire with a little bit of water. And... If you think of a fiery person, for sure there will already come things to mind like how that person will react or how that person will move through life. So those are people that are usually quite driven. They have a goal in mind. They're really good in ha- in having a direction on the mental field. Physically in their body, they're more like medium framed. Um, they're usually quite good at, at sports or being atlet- athletic. And then there's Kapha. So Kapha is more like a mother earth type. They are more dominant in earth and water. And if you think of the qualities of earth and water, it's more dense, it moves slower, it absorbs, it holds on to things. So those people are really great in, they're moving slower, but they're very determined. They can keep an eye on the horizon. They will never forget things. They're really nourishing. They're able to hold space for a lot of people. Those are all different characteristics. And we in our Western world, we like to think like, oh, those are good qualities and those are bad qualities. And Ayurveda just says, no, you're, you're, you have your own set of unique energies, unique qualities. And if you understand who you are, you will be able to make better choices in everything that surrounds you. Because for you, a certain type of food If you're a pitta and you already have a lot of heat, if you take a food that brings in even more heat, you will go out of balance. While for another person that might have a lot less heat, the same food might be their medicine. And that is something that I really, really appreciate about Ayurveda, is there is no good or bad. Basically, we say everything is neutral, just everything has a certain energy. And if you understand that energy, you can decide 
what your medicine is. And that relates, of course, to food, but also to what music do you listen to? What qualities do you, does your relationship have? What kind of workout do you like to do? Is it something that brings you fire? Is it something that's very creative and more spacious, like dancing? Because throughout our day, we bring on many different qualities into our life. And by understanding Ayurveda and understanding those energies, you can use everything around you to bring more balance. I love that, especially the idea that nothing is good or bad. We often tend to prescribe labels to things, specifically in food, which can be very dangerous and lead to disordered eating, restrictive patterns when you label things, certain types of food as good versus bad. And I love how in Ayurveda, one person's medicine is another person's poison or just doesn't work for them. If you can really tap into understanding your energetic makeup in this case, you can make more conscious choices around what you bring into your own environment to achieve a more balanced state. I remember in our lecture, you had talked about people not necessarily always being in balance and that we're often identifying with our imbalances. So how can you know when there is an energetic imbalance according to Ayurveda? And Mm. what are some things you can do if you know your own dosha to Mm. bring things back into a more balanced state? Yeah, very good question. So first of all, I think it's it's important to understand your neutral state. And your neutral state is if you think about when you're in a relaxed state or maybe how you were when you're a child and you were you're just free to be yourself. How would you behave? Like that would be kind of your your neutral point. And anything apart from that where you feel like sometimes you feel agitated, for example, or anxiety or heat in the body, like inflammation, like any type of physical imbalances or mental imbalances. From Ayurvedic perspective, those are things that you can balance with everything around you. Out of balance is everything where you're not yourself, where you are not your best self. It's really important to understand like, okay, there's this rule, this universal rule that says like increases like. So often we are drawn to things that are the same as we are. So for example, if you're a fiery person, you love to do things with passion. You love everything that has an intensity. So if you know that, you will also also see that you will be drawn to like relationships that have that intensity or sports that have that intensity. And part of you really loves that because you feel alive, but too much of a good thing is gonna be your poison. So it's really becoming aware of your patterns and then saying, hey, okay, it's summer, I'm already under stress, I'm a fiery person, maybe I should not eat spicy food today, or I should not do this Bikram yoga or hot yoga workout, because my fire will get too high, and I'll get agitated, or, or my inflammation will play up, or there are many ways how something can manifest. So it's really understanding who you are, and then looking at the qualities of the things that you take in. And some, the most of those things are actually very common sense. Ayurveda sometimes comes across as having a lot of rules. <laughs> but like common sense, you can think of a chili. A chili pepper brings in heat into the system versus a melon or cucumber. It's a cool, it has cooling qualities. So you can just start off by having a look at your life and, and think about what are the qualities that you're taking in on a daily basis 
And is that actually your medicine? That's a great point. Looking at everything that you do in your day or the things that you bring into your environment from the food that you eat, the exercises that you enjoy, the activities that you do for fun maybe. Yeah. And looking at all those activities and then thinking more about their energetic qualities and whether or not they're compatible with your own constitution and if they bring you into balance. Yeah, and that might also mean that things that bring you balance in summer will be different than things that bring you balance in winter simply because in the winter the energetic qualities of your surroundings are very different like in the winter that hot yoga class might actually be very beneficial while in summer you already have enough heat in your system maybe like maybe not but that depends so being aware and and being able to shift depending on what you need so ayurveda is very much a seasonal science as in seasonal in your life seasonal in in the actual seasons so where are you and what you need it really changes from day to day but something in order to live more in alignment for everyone is to really look at our circadian rhythm that's how how western medicine uh, looks at it in ayurveda we we work with the same clock and it's really like when do you eat when do you when do you sleep like how do you create a routine for yourself that sets you up for balance because you have the choice to go with nature or against nature. And if you go with nature, you have much better chances of being healthy and in alignment than when you make choices that go against that natural energy that is there. What happens though when life gets in the way of trying (laughs) to align your natural circadian rhythm with Hmm. the environment around you? For example, in our lecture, you had talked about I guess it was kind of like uh, the metaphor of a clock or looking at the time in the day and when you should have your lunch or your dinner or how big your meal should be, when you should be in bed by. It seemed like a lot of information at once that was kind of overwhelming because Hmm. according to the Ayurvedic philosophy, we should be in bed by 10 o'clock. That seems so nice, (laughs) but how realistic is it to be able to be in bed and asleep by 10 or 11 p.m. every night when you have a job or you have other responsibilities and things just get to be really stressful and hectic? How can we use the foundation of Ayurveda or the goal of what Ayurveda is trying to achieve and modify those practices to be able to to integrate fit our modern it. life. Exactly. Yeah. Because when you when you had shared that, I was like, here I can be in bed by 10 o'clock. No problem. It gets dark at 6.30. It's perfect by 10 p.m. But then I was thinking back home, how am I going to do that? Mm. Yeah, it's very true. Like there's, there's a big disconnect in the way we live, especially in the bigger cities like New York City. Like the city never sleeps. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So there is already a big disconnect. And of course, it makes it harder than when you're here in Bali right now, where people live a lot more already in alignment with nature. So for me, it's, it's important to have this more like an 80-20 rule. So it shouldn't be like another thing on your to-do list to check off and to feel bad about if you don't follow those rules. But it's really an understanding and feeling for yourself. Yeah, maybe 10 o'clock every day is not doable but maybe two, two nights a week it is. And maybe the other nights, it's not going to be 1 a.m., but maybe it's going to be 11. And it's really looking at how does your lifestyle affect you? 
because in the city like there's lots of things to do there's a big social life people to see work to do like when do we sleep like sleep doesn't really have our priority and i think like when we're in our 20s it doesn't matter that much than when you're in your 50s like you have a lot more resilience i would say that prioritizing your rest is important however maybe 10 o'clock is not your thing but 11:30 is like just make sure that you don't overrule yourself so much that you go to bed at one or two and then you wake up at seven and you're depleted or maybe if you're if your cycle is let's say okay you sleep six or seven hours a night and normally you would do that from one to seven well maybe it's actually doable to do that from 12 to six then you already move yourself mm-hmm. a little bit closer to nature and of course you should it's important to see your friends and to have a job and to live a full like city life but there's always adjustments to be made if that makes sense yeah so smaller steps maybe smaller steps and yeah. not thinking that you have to change every single aspect of your life at once but focusing maybe on one particular area that's causing maybe the most damage and then working backwards from there seeing what changes you can make that are sustainable yeah and that at least allow you to enjoy the other things that are important to you in life yeah that's a good good way of of saying it and so for some people it might be their energy levels they always feel depleted okay then that is something to really focus on and i would look at sleep and when when do you sleep and how deep do you sleep and how well do you unwind so your nervous system can actually relax well for some other people they might have issues with their digestion i would look at when do you actually eat and what do you eat and how do you eat and really take it from there because there's so many points as it's such a holistic science there's so many points that you can focus on i would really start with what is what you feel is causing you trouble right now or what would you like to improve in your life and then take take just a few things a few suggestions from ayurveda and start to experiment with it and then notice how it makes you feel because that's very important that I or another Ayurvedic practitioner is not going to tell you that this is right for you or this is wrong for you, but giving you suggestions and then your body will always give you feedback. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very important to understand that it's not like a quick fix or you have a headache and you pop a pill and it's gone. You know, that has its benefits when you have a big presentation at work and you need to function. Yeah, great. But if that migraine is popping up every day or every time you're stressed, there is a deeper underlying root cause that needs to be addressed. And then it's important to listen to the feedback from your body and give yourself time to make some adjustments. So small steps, if you think of 1% improvement every day, like over two months, that's 60%, it really adds up. So so better smaller steps over time, but being consistent with it. Then setting yourself goals that are really unrealistic and you don't reach them, you feel bad about yourself and you just stop altogether Mm -hmm. (laughs) it seems like in ayurveda we're trying to learn how to teach our bodies to respond rather than react to the things that we bring into our environment to the foods that we put into our system just developing that better bodily awareness or intuition between our mind and our body yeah totally it's because eventually like our body knows our mind knows but we're so distracted and also bombarded with information If you look only at food, like how hard is it to find out like what is the best way to eat? There are like 20 people that tell you different things. No, you should eat keto. No, it's intermittent fasting. No, it's uh, no carbs. No, it's raw food. No, you should eat 
no fruits because there's too many too much sugar in it like how to distinguish between that information and the only way to do that is to listen to your own body because your body will give your feedback and in regards to food ayurveda really sees your digestion as the cornerstone of your health because if you take very healthy food but your body cannot break it down properly you will still get issues with your digestive system and you won't get optimal nutrients and optimal energy what food is right for your body eventually you're the only one who can really feel that and again we can give you suggestions on how to eat or what to experiment with but your body is your teacher and ayurveda really aims you to become your own guru in that sense that you don't need anyone else to tell you what the best way is for you that's very empowering yeah because you have the the agency to make the best decision for yourself what happens when you're a combination of different doshas for example i think that i'm pitta kapha Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) but there's different energetic qualities associated with both So if for someone who has two doshas or maybe they're all three, which I think is pretty rare, how can you then cater that information towards creating a better lifestyle for yourself? And how does that also affect your mental health and well-being? Because we also talked a little bit about having different energetic qualities for our physical body, but then also for our, our mind and our brain. Yeah. So if you are more of a dual dosha, there are basically two ways that you could go out of balance. And then it's really dependent on your environment. So what's happening in your life right now, which dosha will be more likely to be out of balance. So in your in your case, if you think that you're pitta kapha, so pitta is mainly ruled by fire and uh, kapha is mainly ruled by earth, earth and water, you would be have the tendency to under stress, for example, in the summer, that your pitta will be more out of balance, that there will be a lot more thoughts, that there will be like overworking will be uh, challenging for you like not to do, you'll keep on going. While in winter or in times where you're not that much stimulated, that kaffic tendency of like slowing down, maybe becoming too inert in a certain way or with mental health issues that can be like stagnant energy, like not motivated, sluggish, having a hard time to get out of bed, that can manifest. So it really depends on what is present in your life and what kind of triggers that. When we also think about our mental health and well-being, how can we create the most optimal environment and daily habits to enhance our own like mental energetic composition? Because that yeah. might be different than the doshas that we have for our physical body. Totally. Like for your mind is very important. Like I think for most people that live a city life, one of the biggest challenges is to not let all the energy move move up into your head throughout the day. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) (laughs) very true. Because we just have jobs that also require our mind to be very active, that there's constant stimulation. and, And then we have no idea on how to slow down and how to unwind and how to let that energy at the end of the day from our head drop back into our body so we can actually relax and we can have some deep sleep practices to create like little pockets of pausing throughout the day it sounds really simple but 
it's actually a very profound practice like imagine if you're if you're sitting behind your computer and every time you see a thing that you're uh, you're you have a new new email if every time that happens you relax your jaw you breathe into your belly and you feel your feet on the floor it's like a reminder of yourself like oh oh yeah i also have a body i almost forgot about it and if you do that 50 or 100 times throughout the day at the end of the day you will feel more embodied and that's just a small thing but i think for our mental health it's super important to create more space to actually feel where we are to feel our body to also to feel what we need because if there's no space to feel how we are doing we have also no clue in what do we need i think sometimes the problem also is that we don't even know what we need yeah because we're so distracted like that's just i guess an example of not being in tune with our own bodies and our and our minds because there's so many distractions so many stress triggers that happen in when you're in a job or you're living in a city or you're a student at school there's just so much going on and so it's important to just take a step back and yeah do like a grounding exercise exactly and even like how do you start your day because now with our mobile phones it's like such a habit and i also need to remind myself very often of this like waking up look at your phone maybe just to see the time and then there's messages and before you know you're like lost in your phone it's not a great way to set the tone for your day so i i really try to have like a morning ritual Mm -hmm. where my phone is not involved to really take a moment and it might just be two minutes you know i have a four-year-old son uh, that is waking up very early in the morning so i don't have much time for like a long morning routine or meditation and yoga practice and all those things that i would maybe love to do but it's not realistic but what i always do is when i wake up is i take a minute or two or five to just feel my body like how am i feeling today because we think we're always the same person but actually there's quite some variety from day to day in how how we're feeling and that i don't mean just physical physically but also mentally and emotionally like what's moving through us and then you might you might start to get to know yourself a little bit better and throughout the day make choices that support you for that day because you know better what you need (laughs) i love that you bring up morning routines because that was my actually my next question i wanted to hear a bit more about the ideal morning routine and nighttime routine according to ayurveda what are some practices you can bring into Mm -hmm. your own morning and night routine to gain more balance or at least start the day on a good note and then end the day on a positive note as well so in the morning i would say there's it basically there's three things that would be important from ayurvedic perspective the first is some kind of meditation simply to tune in with where you are like I just like I just mentioned and again that doesn't have to be a 20 minute silent meditation where you're sitting on your pillow that can just be laying down in bed taking a few deep breaths feel your body notice the energy in your mind your emotional body then do some form of movement and ideally if you have 20 minutes that would be amazing simply to get the stagnation moving from the night to get your energetic channels open so your energy will flow well for the day and if you don't have 20 minutes maybe you have five minutes and you have a little trampoline that you can just bounce on to get really some juices flowing uh, or some rope skipping or something to just get your blood pumping a little bit and then the third one is to clean your senses 
because it's through our senses that we experience the world. So if our senses are not clean, it's like you looking out at the world from a dirty window, from behind a dirty window. So it's scraping your tongue, which is like a special metal or copper tongue scraper. You move it over your tongue and it removes a lot of the ama, like toxins that you, you uh, overnight got on your tongue and you just rinse your mouth and clean your teeth, rinse your eyes and your nose. There's a practice in yoga that we call neti potting. Yeah, I've done that <laughs> before, done that? <laughs> but not on a regular basis. Just like if I am really congested. Yeah. <laughs> and it's really funny because it just kind of drips out the other side of the nostril. Exactly. Yeah. And, and then you can put some oil in your ears. So that's something it sounds like a lot, but you can do like your the, the practice for your senses in like five minutes, plus five minutes of meditation, plus a little bit of movement. So you start, you start the day from a practice where you are connected with your breath, with your body and your senses are clean. And you can extend that as much as you want, depending on the time that you have. And what I really like to do is to kind of set a goal for the day, like depending on what I have to do, like choose a certain type of energy that I want to bring into the day and throughout the day connect back to that. I would say also maybe waking up earlier would be in alignment with Ayurveda just totally. waking up at like six or seven in the morning yeah. having this as part of your morning routine maybe even journaling too might be helpful yeah. to set your intention for the day or just having a brain dump of all the thoughts that you have or you don't even know that you have and just kind of get that on paper and then move forward with your day yeah yeah a brain dump I would do that more in the evening to kind of empty your head out that everything is on paper and you go to bed with like an empty sheet and in the morning it would be more like more intentional journaling and waking up early like that would always be great depending on how early you went to bed the night before because I would never say like oh you have to get up at 5 or 6 a.m like no first of all get enough sleep and personally like I go to bed pretty early uh, and I get up pretty early around 5 because I love to have an hour to myself in the morning before my child wakes up because I know I just have a better day and I don't mind going to bed earlier because here in Bali most people are in bed very <laughs> <Yes>. early <laughs> very early something I've noticed here especially with the lockdown you can't yeah. <laughs> you can't be out so you have nothing else to do but to go to bed early yeah. which is kind of a blessing in disguise totally but if you if you were in bed by 1 I would not recommend to get up at 5 because it will just create more imbalance so get up when you're rested but try to be in bed early so you can wake up a bit earlier <laughs> what about at the nighttime? so when you're winding down for the night what is the optimal routine that you can try to incorporate so in the night i think one thing that we're all struggling with but is quite important is to put our screens away about an hour before we go to bed because first of all you have of course the blue light that makes it hard to sleep to to produce melatonin but also the stimulation of our mind by constantly like social media, all those pop-ups, it releases a lot of dopamine and it's just not great for deep restful sleep. So making a conscious choice to put your screens away, no more Netflix, like not falling asleep <laughs> in front of <laughs> yeah. your series that you're watching, but really like ending the night in a conscious way. So what I like to do is do that with a shower or taking a bath because it kind of breaks the energy um, you can use touch so five minutes of massage get some oil that you really like with a uh, like a coconut oil or sesame oil 
with some essential oil maybe if you enjoy that and just feel your body like put your hands on your body remind yourself that you have a body because it brings the energy from your head back into your body in the shower or, or a, a bath and then some gentle movement so if you like yoga you can just do a few stretches on the ground to get the kinks out of your lower back or your hips from sitting on in the day again to drop into your body another great practice for the evening is yoga nidra I love Yoga Nidra. Yeah. I have an episode on the podcast with Kaylee Alyssa about Yoga Nidra and it's like the yogi state of sleep. Yeah. It's it's very nice and very deep meditation. Exactly. More than just like an, a normal seated meditation or breath work. It's you really tap into something quite deep. Yeah, and it's the, the beautiful thing is is it changes your brain waves. Mm-hmm. So it also sets you up for much deeper sleep. You might not have more hours of sleep. But the quality of your sleep will really improve and that will make you feel more rested. So yeah, that's another thing that especially if you're busy, this is a meditation that is really great to help you improve your sleep. Also because you can lay down, you don't have to sit up, you can just lay down, be comfortable in bed. Anyone can do it, you just have to follow the instructions. So yeah, those are practices that are are very helpful. And then of course being in bed as early as you can, like ideally would be around 10. Um, I know that's not always doable, but but start to look at where it is possible and, and be more rested in the morning. I think that's very nice. And even doing a body scan meditation, because those I think are 10 to 15 minutes. Or yeah. They can be longer, of course, but sometimes yoga nidras can go up to 45 minutes. Yeah, that's and very And that long. takes, yeah, it takes like a big chunk of time out of your night. So Maybe even doing a shorter one or a 10-minute, 15-minute body scan could be a nice way to rest and relax and then get ready for the next day. Totally. Yeah, totally. And you can just, like, if you're new to this, you can just look up on YouTube or Insights Timer. It's like a meditation app that is free. Mm -hmm. There are so many yoga nidras or body scans uh, that are not that long because you might do a luxurious long one in the weekend when you have time. But, um, yeah, 10 or 15 minutes... It already can change a lot because sometimes we think like, oh, what can a practice of 10 or 15 minutes do? But if we're really aware and we bring our energy and our attention to to our body, basically, it's huge. It makes a huge change. What is something that you'd like for my listeners to take away from understanding Ayurveda 101? Like what is Mm, a big takeaway, something very fundamental about Ayurveda that anyone can can easily understand and even if they've had no prior exposure to Ayurveda or they've been following the philosophy for a while what is something that can resonate with yeah yeah so I think what my main thing in Ayurveda is is everything is neutral and the best thing that you can do is to be yourself so don't try to be anything else than yourself if you have more of a fiery characteristics a fiery you're a fiery person move through life as fire because that's your unique quality don't try to to mold yourself into something that you're not and understand your own uniqueness and listen to the feedback of your body because you're your own guru not everyone around you Um, and then you will also see that There is a natural intelligence in nature and in your body. And the more you can let go of how things should be 
and the more you can tap into how things feel and how the energy works in in the cosmos you will live a really happy and aligned life because you can be yourself i love that coming back to your authentic true self and there's so much noise in the world there's so many things that can pull you in one direction or another and it can be very challenging to come back to yourself yeah. because we're so influenced by external factors. We don't even really sometimes realize it. Yeah, so often, I, often we don't know. Like there's mm-hmm. so many like quarter life crises. Of, <laughs> of course, like if you've been in a system that where you never really had time to explore and find out who you are because there are already so many shoots from a very young age. I think it's great that a lot of young people kind of take a break and try to find themselves and then make choices in a way that are aligned with their nature. And that's the same for food and for relationships. There's no, there's many ways of doing something and listening to your own inner voice. It's just important to know, like, does this desire that I have, does it come from a place of lack or does it come from a place of love or a desire? Because a love or a desire, I think it's a great energy to follow. Fear or lack, not so much. Mm. Then look for the desire. What is there? It's a great point. In other words, finding things in your day that bring you a bit of joy and happiness or endorphins (laughs) to relate it back to the podcast. (laughs) And on that note, I would love to hear what is something that brings you endorphins. Mm. Oh, many things, actually. (laughs) I love dancing, so I really, really, really enjoy moving my body and just get lost in the music. And here in Bali, there are quite a lot of ecstatic dances. I don't know if you've been to one. Yes, I I did go to an ecstatic (laughs) dance. It was definitely very outside of my comfort zone, but I really did enjoy it. I I did a yoga class before, and then I did an ecstatic dance. It was um, an event, like a a night event. I loved it. <laughs> yeah, so I really I really like the fact that you can just dance freely. It's not dancing for performance. You're not in a club where people are watching you and that you have to move in a certain way, but just like wild and free like a child. <laughs> so that really brings me endorphins for sure. Um, I can really enjoy delicious food. So I'm a little bit of a foodie. So that brings me endorphins. And what else can I say? Like good sex. <laughs> <laughs> The simple pleasures in life. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, I think those are wonderful answers. And thank you again so much for coming on to the podcast. It's been wonderful having you. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for listening. And remember to like, rate, and review this podcast on whichever listening platform you prefer. Don't forget to keep spreading endorphins and find things that bring you endorphins every day. See you next time.